High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I tell you what, it's always just, as I said, wonderful whenever we're able to receive new members into this church body. And uh, I'll just say it's also uh, so good to be back here at High Praise. Amen. Listen, there is no place. Uh, We were in three different places, and we had wonderful ministry there. But I tell you, there is no place that I would rather be than right here in Panama City at High Praise Panama City, High Praise Worship Center. And, uh, you know, there is an anointing that is in this house. There's an anointing that God has graced us with that we don't ever need to take for granted. We always need to be appreciative of, the, of his presence. How many of you this morning during the worship can sense the presence of the Lord and God flowing and his voice being released? And uh, there was a mighty manifestation of the presence of God. And now the presence of God doesn't necessarily mean that you're just going to fall on your face and start crying and weeping. There are different manifestations of the presence of God, but there was a strong deliverance and freedom anointing that was present today. And uh, how many of you know there's freedom and deliverance in the name of Jesus? There's power in the name of the Lord. And uh, we sense that today. And so don't ever take it for granted. I I tell you, as I looked up at all of our musicians, and we were so blessed here, and it's taken us years to get there. But, uh, you know, I look at all the keyboard players that we have. And by the way, this is not even all of them. Uh, all of our wind instrument players. Many of you know I was a trumpet major in college. So I have a, a real heart for wind instruments. But you know what? This isn't something that you see very often in churches today. And all of the different musicians. And we, uh, our, two of our drummers were sick. And Jonathan, he played. He did a great job, didn't he? Jonathan, we love you, Jonathan. Praise the Lord. Great man of God. And, uh, and just all the guitar players and, and Keith on the bass and Witt on the keys uh, and Miss Linda on the keys, all of them. And please, if I, if I don't call your name, understand you're just as important. doesn't matter who you are. Everybody plays an important role. But we need to be thankful every day that God has graced us with anointed musicians that love the Lord and want to use their skill. They want to use their gift to honor and praise and worship God rather than be in a bar or a nightclub or somewhere else. Amen. Because I tell you, all of them play at a skill level. They could be there and they they could be making money doing it, but they have chosen to honor the Lord with what God has blessed them with and what God has placed upon their lives. And so to all the worship team, thank you, every single one of you. Can we just give the Lord a big praise for our worship team and for every member that's a part of it? Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. While you're turning there, as I said, it's great to be back. We were gone for uh, uh, as actually eight days altogether. Two of the days were primarily travel days. Uh, but from Friday, uh, last Friday night, uh, not this past one, but the one before that, last Friday night to Wednesday night, we ministered in three different places and we preached eight times in six days. And so we had some very, I mean, powerful meetings. God did some tremendous things powerful prophetic flow during the meetings. And, um, and we want to say thank you to all of you who are praying for us because hear this, whenever we go, we minister somewhere, we're not just representing ourselves, 
We're not just even just representing the Lord, but we're representing this church body and what God is doing here in this house. And so thank you so much for, to every one of you who are praying for us and interceding for us. And I believe it was a great deposit that was made. Uh, we ministered in Indiana, we ministered in Ohio, and we ministered in Tennessee and had great meetings there. Praise God. Uh, this morning I want to share, uh, we're kind of staying with this same thing, God's game plan. Two weeks ago, I ministered on team. How many of you were here when I ministered on team? And how many of everybody has a place in the team that God is raising up? We're all a part of God's team. There's a purpose that each one of us has. There's a uniqueness that God has placed within each of us. And whenever we begin to manifest the unique gift, the unique anointing, that God has placed upon us, then there will be a melding together of something that brings completeness in the body of Christ. If you notice this morning, there was a lot of prophetic ministry. And by the way, if you're not accustomed to prophetic ministry, I want you to know that this is something that is biblical that should be in operation within the church. Uh, it shouldn't be just every blue moon, every once in a while, you know, every six months, we have some type of manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. But it should be commonplace. And we see that in the early church, it was commonplace for the gifts to be in operation. That's one of the reasons that Paul actually said, don't despise prophesying. Well, the only time you start despising something is whenever you get an overabundance of it, right? Like right now, if I put a piece of cheesecake in front of you, probably nobody would despise it, right? If I put some apple pie in front of you, you'd go, yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And, you know, show me the fork, and, I, and here I go. And if somebody puts, what's that? We're going to have that tonight, by the way. Uh, you know, if somebody puts something that you really like right in front of you, you won't despise it. You'll like it, right? Particularly if you're hungry. You know, it's just 11 right now. Get a little closer to 12, and everybody really want a piece of cheesecake, right? But this is the deal. If you eat about four or five pieces and somebody else puts a piece of cheesecake in front of you, what are you going to do? You're going to go, absolutely not. That looks absolutely repulsive to me. Have you ever been so full that just looking at food just made you want to throw up somewhere? Anybody ever been there? And so, see, you start despising things when there's an abundance of it. Now, I said all that to say this. Paul said, don't despise prophesying, which means this. In the early church, there was a lot of prophesying going on. There was a lot of prophetic ministry. That should be the norm for the church. That's what God has created. The gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be in operation. And I want to just say this, that we don't just say that we are prophetic, charismatic, Pentecostal. We actually embrace everything about being prophetic, about being charismatic, about being Pentecostal, which includes the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Amen? You know, there's so many churches today, how to get off on this isn't even my message. But anyway, there's so many churches today that basically they say, Holy Spirit, you can manifest in this way, but you can't do anything else. You know, you can manifest at the altar call and bringing conviction on somebody's heart and bringing them to Jesus, but we don't want anything that looks a little strange. We don't want to look, look you know, things that may look a little bit out of character with the norm. But I want everybody to understand, God desires to do supernatural things among his people today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus that we serve today is the same Jesus that walked the face of this earth over 2,000 years ago that performed signs, wonders, and miracles. And hear this, he still wants to do it today. I said he still wants to do it today. Can you look at somebody and say God still wants to do it today? 
It should not be strange. It shouldn't be foreign to us. And of course it isn't here at, our, at this church body. But you know what? I believe God's always looking for people that will say, Holy Spirit, you are free to move. You are free to take the helm. You are free to take the wheel and begin to move things in the direction that it needs to move. And uh, this morning, Exodus 14, verse 13, and Moses said to the people, let me set this up. Uh, they have come. They've been delivered from Egypt, and they're about to, uh, you know, God's taking them to the promised land. But what the Bible actually says is that God took them by the way of the Red Sea. God deliberately took them by the way of the Red Sea. So they're on the journey to get to Canaan, and God takes them by the way of the Red Sea, and the Red Sea is an obstacle that stands in their way. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Of course, Pharaoh is pursuing them. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Hallelujah. Say no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel, to go forward. I want everybody to hear this this morning. God's plan for your life is victory. God already charted your course, and at the end of the course, at the end of the situation, at the end of the circumstance, hear this. God has already planned victory for your life. I don't care what kind of situation you might be facing right now, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the voices that may be yelling and screaming in your ear right now, I want you to hear the voice of the Lord declaring over your life today, my plan is victory, hallelujah. How many of you believe that today, that God's plan for your life is victory? Understand this, you were not brought into the kingdom of God in order to live all your days in defeat. You were made a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the moment that you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that you were made more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Amen. What does more than a conqueror mean? More than a conqueror means this. Victory is guaranteed within my life. Hallelujah. Now, again, I know that all of us go through situations. All of us have to face uh, things just by living in a fallen world. That's the reality. After Adam and Eve sinned, the world fell. All of mankind fell. As a result of that, it gave a doorway for the enemy, for Satan to come in to wreak havoc, to bring sickness, disease, infirmity, to bring oppression, poverty, lack, to bring violence and hatred and all these other things, works of the flesh, that we see manifesting in our culture. We see all type of perversions that are manifesting in our culture. But I want you to hear this. In spite of everything that you might be observing right now, in spite of everything that you might be seeing right now, in spite of everything that you might be going through right now, God has already guaranteed victory before you even had to even look at it and face it to start out with. God's word has already declared that we have been made more than conquerors. God's word has already said this. Now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Amen? Look at somebody and say, he always causes you to triumph. Listen, I know the world's crazy. You know, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you know, watch the news for five minutes and you realize it looks like everybody's lost their mind. But I want you to hear this. I believe that God has given us the mind of Christ. And hear this, the mind of Christ is, is greater than the mind of craziness. 
The mind of Christ will always win out in the end. Truth will always win out in the end, amen? And so the children of Israel, they had been liberated from Egyptian bondage. They had come out of Egypt, and the Bible says that whenever they came out, that God led them out with a high hand. Everybody shout high hand. You know what high hand means? It, it means this, that they came out with the upper hand. Now, I like to say it this way. Come on up here, Pastor Gill. You know, because what the Bible says is whenever they came out of Egypt, they came out with the silver, they came out with the gold, they came out with the cattle, they came out with the oxen. I believe that this was what the high hand was. Come on, give me five. Hallelujah. I got the cattle. You got the gold. Uh, we got the silver. Are you following what I'm saying? See, that's what it means to come out with a high hand. Would you just look over at somebody and give them a high five and say, we're coming out with a high hand. I don't care what it looks like. You gotta, see, you've got to go ahead and begin to call those things which be not as though they already were. It may be shouting at you right now, but I'm telling you, you've got to shout victory, and you've got to shout victory louder than everything else is streaming in your ear right now. Amen? God's leading me out with a high hand. I know it doesn't look like it right now. It may look like I'm all underneath everything, but God said, I'm leading you out with a high hand. I'm leading you out with victory. I'm leading you out with a voice of triumph. Amen? So God's never called us to walk in defeat, and he didn't bring them out. Understand that God didn't bring the children of Israel out of Egypt so that they could then be slaughtered by Pharaoh. God led them out because he had a purpose for them. There was a land that he desired for them to inhabit. Now understand this. Please hear this. The moment you got saved, the purpose for salvation wasn't just, even though, yes, that's part of it. It, it was not just so that you could uh, have eternal life and have a home in heaven or you, if you die. Are you following what I'm saying? That's not the only purpose. And I don't have time to uh, go into great detail. And I don't want to wade into the weeds too much. But understand this. God brought you out of bondage because there was a land that he desired for you to inherit. There was a purpose. There was a destiny for your life that the enemy had blinded you to. Do you hear the word of the Lord this morning? How scales are falling off of your eyes. You know what? The enemy has blinded many people to the destiny and the purpose that God has for their life. But I'm here to declare to you today that there is a divine purpose and you've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're not just saved so you can go to heaven. You're saved so you can accomplish something right now so that you can be a witness for Jesus, so that you can, prove, you can begin to manifest manifest signs, wonders, and miracles. Do you realize every single one of you, there's probably people around you that need deliverance today. Why do you think they're around you right now? It's not just so you can go, oh, they're, man, they're bad, they're, they're this, they're that. No, it's so that you can be even the agent of deliverance within their life. Amen? We've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen? Listen, I believe that Panama City in Bay County is not going to be the the, the spring break capital of the world. I believe we're going to be the breakthrough capital of the world. Are you following what I'm saying? And I, I believe that God has called us to something greater. Our beaches are beautiful. That's wonderful and great. And we enjoy God's wonderful and beautiful creation. But you know what? I believe that God has called us to exhibit something where people have come. They, they come down here to get away from everything. I believe that God has called us to pull people out of the jaws of hell, out of the jaws of Satan, and begin to bring them into the kingdom of God. Amen? So the children of Israel, they were liberated. Understand, although you have been saved and delivered, the enemy will chase you many times in attempts to entangle you and discourage you once again. The Israelites, they came to the Red Sea. God led them that way. 
Although there were different ways to get to Canaan, God specifically led them directly by the way of the Red Sea. That's in Exodus 13, verse 18. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. The Red Sea seemed as though it was a trap. Pharaoh was behind them, and the Red Sea was in front of them. Either God showed up, or they were finished. Has anybody ever been in one of those situations where, God, either you show up or I'm done? Either, you know, either something, some of you may be in those situations right now. I'm here to tell you that God will perform what he said. He will do what he declared. He is faithful to perform everything that he has promised within your life if you will only believe. In the midst of a desperate situation, God gave them specific instructions, and we see those instructions in verses 13 through 15. And why is that? Hear this. It's because God wanted to turn their sea of adversity into a sea of victory. I'm going to say that again. God wanted to turn their sea of adversity into a sea of victory. Can I tell you, many times whenever you're faced with a sea of adversity, you have to begin to realize that God's plan all along is to turn this into a sea of victory. I have seen God perform miracles. I've seen God do signs and wonders in our own life. And I've, we've been in death and life situations before. And hear this, God has never failed us. God has always come through. I was in, while we were in uh, Indiana, I began to share some about our daughter, Kayla, the testimony. Many of you that have been here for any length of time have heard the testimony of our daughter and how that Pastor Stacy was pregnant and uh, then she started bleeding very heavily and the doctors told her, you have a blighted ovum, you need to have a DNC. And we began to take the word of the Lord and begin to war a good warfare with the word of the Lord. I began to lay my hands on her stomach and I said, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. You know what? We were faced with a sea of adversity at that moment in time. She was bleeding every day. Things in the natural were shouting something opposite of what the promise of God was declaring. But we kept declaring the promise of God. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. And I want you to know with Within about six weeks, all the bleeding stopped, and before the end of the year, our daughter was born. I've been there. We faced those situations. This young man right here, my grandson, uh, the oldest of all of our nine grandchildren, we were faced with a great sea of adversity whenever he was born. And whenever he was born, he was born still, no heartbeat, uh, no, was not breathing. He was gray. And we, I can remember, I, although I wasn't in there, Pastor Stacy was in there, and ter, uh, Teresa, were right back there, her, his grandmother, uh, other grandmother was in there. He has two, praise the Lord, amen. But uh, anyway, was in there, and they know everything that was going on. And I remember whenever they told me he needs to breathe, he's not breathing, something rose up within me, and I said, devil, you can't have my seed, hallelujah. I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I'm a part, I have a covenant with God that says that the enemy cannot touch this. Can't touch this, hallelujah. Amen? Look at somebody and say, can't touch this. Nah, 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 nah. Can't touch this. Now, I didn't do that there in the hospital. I'm telling you, I, we were warring in the spirit. 
I said, devil, you can't have my grandson. This is my seed. I said, this is my seed. Listen, you that are believing God for your children today, the devil cannot have your seed. The devil cannot have you. The devil cannot have your seed. He cannot have your kids. I said, he cannot have your kids. You've got a covenant with Almighty God. And you have to get like that. You have to just say, you, who are you to defy the armies of the living God? You come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, of whom you have defied. This day, devil, you're going down, and I'm going to give your carcass to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and everybody's going to know that there is a Lord God in Israel. And something's got to rise up within you. We got too much passivity in the body of Christ. I'm talking about spiritual passivity. We got people that want to fight each other naturally but don't want to pray and don't want to take their stand in the spirit. And I say it needs to be reversed or if you're hearing what I'm saying. And there needs to be a spiritual aggression that begins to rise up within you. And the moment that you're attacked rather than laying down, something in you raises you up and say, how dare you touch the apple of God's eye? Don't you know, devil, I'm a son of God? Don't you know that I am a part of his family? And he'll fight for me. Listen, he'll fight for you. Maybe you're not accustomed to people. I don't necessarily preach quite this strong sometimes, but I feel something today. I believe God's wanting to encourage you. His plan for your life is victory. Look at somebody and say, his plan is victory. Look at somebody else and say, his plan for you is victory. Now, there's a process. In other words, Israel had to do something. In order to see victory, you've got to do something. See, there's a lot of times people are wanting God to do something. They're not willing to do anything. And what the Bible actually says is that we co-labor with the Lord. You know what it means to co-labor? That means we're both working. We're both working, right? Have you ever been on a job where everybody's supposed to be working? Maybe you were paired up with somebody. I chuckle about that. Maybe you were paired up with somebody and you're supposed to accomplish a project. And you find, you know, and you're the one that's doing the work. Now I know nobody from high praise would be on the other side of that equation. Right? You're the one doing the work, nobody else is working. And you, it doesn't it get frustrating. You know why? Because you can't accomplish what needs to be done because of somebody that's just sitting around doing nothing, collecting a paycheck. Right? And unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians that are sitting around doing nothing, collecting a paycheck, wanting God to do everything, and they're not willing to do anything. And can I tell you, in order to see God manifest his power and his presence within your life, there are some things that you're going to have to do. You're not earning anything, but you have, we co-labor with the Lord. Is this making sense? i got to work with him. I can't work against him, and I can't do nothing. I have to begin to work with the Lord. Whenever God told them to stand still, you will see this in just a moment, it doesn't mean do nothing. A lot of times people read that, stand still and see the salvation, I'm not going to do anything. No, you need, to, you need to begin to function. You need to let your faith begin to arise. This is what we had to do whenever we were faced with the situation with Josiah. And I remember putting on my phone, taking my phone out and saying, in Jesus' name, breathe. In Jesus' name, breathe. 
The text came in and they were all praying. And I'm telling you what, he began to breathe suddenly. Praise the Lord. And he's here right now. Listen, whenever he was born, the doctors and they could, uh, everybody, uh, Pastor Joshua and Miranda, by the way, Pastor Joshua and Miranda are still married. I just want to make sure everybody knows. They had two sick children this morning. She's just at home. Hey, Miranda, God, I know she's watching today. We had three of our staff wives that all had sick babies. But anyway, so, but, th but this is the reality. You know, we had, we had to begin to fight. We had to begin to war. They were praying in the, in the, in the uh, uh, delivery room. Pastor Joshua was praying. Pa Pastor Miranda was praying. But praise God, God prevailed. We couldn't just say, please hear how I say this. We couldn't just say, you know, que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que Sarah. Some of you never saw Doris Day. Okay. <laughs> People looking at me right now, what in the world are you? Does anybody know the song I just sang? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. And so we couldn't do that. And there's a lot of people just say, well, whatever the will of God is, it's just going to happen. Now, let me tell you what. The will of God is going to happen if you rise up in the name of Jesus and you begin to enforce, you begin to believe, and you begin to take hold of the promises of God and say, devil, you can't have my inheritance. You can't have what God promised me. You can't have what God, what Jesus paid for belongs to me. And devil, you can't have it. Look at somebody and say, the devil can't have your blessing. Look at somebody and say, the devil can't have your victory. So the first thing he actually says is this. He says, don't be afraid. Everybody say, no fear. See, fear is the doorway through which the enemy enters. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear expects and believes for the worst, while faith expects God's best. You have not been given a spirit of fear. But power, love, and a, and a sound mind. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You, gotta, you, you have to understand that you cannot be afraid in the midst of situations. Let me tell you what, we've been in those situations where fear wanted to grip our heart. And I'll tell you, when the squeeze is on, you find out what's really on the inside of you. And if you're full of the Word of God, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If you're full of the faith of God, that's what's going to come out. However, if you're full of fear, that's what's going to be manifested. I would encourage you to fill yourself with God's promises. Fill yourself with the Word of God. Because the reality is every single one of us are going to face the squeeze at some point in time within our lives. Every single one of us are going to face those times of adversity when we're up against the Red Sea. Understand this. We have to make sure that what's on the inside of us is, is the right stuff so that that's what will then begin to come out of us. You see, because what was happening here, they were all afraid. They were panicking. The reality is they were freaking out. Freak out! Anybody remember that song? Freak out! I'm telling you what, that is, that's a lot of Christian's theme songs. You know, every time something happens, ah! I don't care what it is. And we're reactionary. Understand, as the body of Christ, we're not called to be reactionary. 
We're called to hear his voice and respond from what we're hearing from heaven, not by what we're seeing in the natural. See, that's what's happening so often. People are they're reacting because of what they see rather than responding from what they hear God declaring and speaking on the inside of them. There's a big difference. Listen, we don't need to be reactionary. See, when you're full of the faith of God, that's what will begin to come out of you. When the squeeze is on, faith will come forth. When the squeeze is on, the word will come out of your mouth. Whenever the, when something happens negative, what you're going to do is you're going to begin to speak the promise of God rather than the thing that you are seeing at that moment in time. Listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that sometimes there's darkness that's going on, right? What does God do whenever he, in the middle, at the very beginning, in the dawn of time, he demonstrates a principle. Listen, read the first Genesis 1, 1 through 3, you see a principle that God demonstrates that every one of us should grab a hold of today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and dark, void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. I want to give you a picture. Everything's bad. It's, it's cold. It's dark. Nothing's going on. It's lifeless. But the Spirit of God is just waiting there. Hmm. He's waiting to hear a word. Listen, there's some of you that are in dark situations right now. I want you to hear this. The Spirit of God is just waiting to hear a word come out of your mouth that's going to release him to begin to do what, what, what needs to be done in the situation. And so what does God do? He steps out in the midst of the darkness and he says, what? You mean he didn't actually say, wow, it's sure dark out here. Is that what he said? No, he didn't make commentary on the darkness. See, we got a lot of people today that are come making commentary on the darkness and saying that's prophetic. No, you don't even have to be smart to make commentary on the darkness. Are you follow what I'm saying? But it takes a man or woman of faith that'll step out in the midst of the darkness and say, regardless of what I see right now, I declare God's promise. I declare God's word. I speak revival where it seems like there's death. I speak restoration where everything has been destroyed. I declare in the name of Jesus, things are turning around. Hallelujah. On the heels of Hurricane Michael, the Lord gave me that scripture. I don't know if I'll be able to get through with this message today. I know, I never do. In the midst of Hurricane Michael, I mean, it was terrible, I know. We've, we had to evacuate because we were in a mandatory evacuation zone. We went to, to Orlando and watching everything go on. And the day after, the Lord gave me over there in Joel 2, where it says that I will restore, everybody say, I will restore. I will restore to you that which the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar has eaten. And most of you know this already, I've done some teaching on this, that word restore is the Hebrew word shalom. Did I say it right? We call it, listen, we're from the south, so we call it shalom. But the correct Hebrew pronunciation is shalom. And what you find is whenever that word is used in the Old Testament and whenever it is translated restore, it is always referring to having more than you had before. Everybody say more than you had before. Come on, tell somebody more than you had before. And I'm telling you in the natural, it didn't look like that. It was very bleak. You know what? And there's still a lot of things. We got still got a long way to go. 
But we begin to declare it. And I don't know how many of you remember the first service after we had power back on, which was actually the second service after the hurricane that we had. The first service we had, we rigged up lights. We rigged up a sound system, plugged them in the generators and said, we're not going to let something called Michael keep us from worshiping and praising the Lord. We're going to gather together. Does anybody remember that service? And the next service, we had power. Hallelujah. Man, turn up the amps. Crank it up. Hallelujah. We're going to shout. We're going to rejoice. We could be crying right now. We recognize those people who had lost their homes. People didn't have water, all these other things. But you know what we're going to do? Yet I will praise him. Yet I will praise him. And I remember we have video where we're going. We're doing Jericho March all the way around the building singing more than you had before. More than you had. Does anybody remember that service? Say more than you had before. Look at somebody say more than you had before. And we begin to dance, we begin to celebrate, we begin to rejoice, even though everything in the natural was screaming and saying, the area is dead, there was talks of shutting down the base, and now we know that this is going to be the base of the future. We're going to have 25% more people here than what we had previously. God said more than you had before. you got to look past your current situation and begin to look beyond that and look to the promise of God. You have to begin to look at God's promise. Right? God wants to turn your sea of adversity into a sea of victory. But you can't be afraid. Look at somebody say, you can't be afraid. There's seven more points. I'm not even going to try to do it today. I want you to hear this. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever the obstacle might be, God will turn your sea of adversity into a sea of victory. His plan has always been and will always be victory for your life. He has no other plan but to prosper you and to cause success to come upon you. Well, what about the R word? What about recession? My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What about the H word, hurricane? My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Let me tell you what, that was a big question. And don't think for one moment that we didn't have to fight off the spirit of fear on the actual heels of the hurricane. 30 to 40% of the congregation gone. All of our station Tyndall people gone. You know, okay, what's going to happen financially? I don't know, but I know God said he will supply all my need. And can I tell you, 2019 was a record year financially that we had here within this church body. More than you had before. I said more than you had before. I said more than you had before. And whatever's happened and whatever's taken place, we serve the God of the restoration. We serve a God who is a restorer. He is not a destroyer. He is a restorer, and he will restore everything that the enemy has stolen from you. Would you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. Can you just lift your hands to heaven right now? Come on, lift your hands to heaven right now. We speak the name of Jesus, Lord, over every situation. We speak the name of Jesus, and we declare victory in the midst of every circumstance that's going on in the lives of your people. We say, yes, Lord, let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Lord, you said it in the beginning and you will perform it in the end.
You made declaration of your promise, and Lord, you are faithful to see it. You are faithful to cause it to come to pass. So Lord, we lift our hands today. Come on, lift your hands to heaven right there where you're at. Lord, we lift our hands to you, and we give you glory, and we give you praise. And we declare, Lord God, that you are turning the sea of adversity into a sea of victory. We speak our faith today. We speak the name of Jesus, Lord, over every enemy. We speak the name of Jesus over every situation, every circumstance. We speak the name of Jesus and command sickness to go. If you need healing in your body, just receive it right there, right there where you're at. Lord, we release the healing anointing to flow in this house today. If you need deliverance today, if there's things that have been oppressing you, if you need prayer, you come down and we'll pray for you. But receive your deliverance today, right now, in the name of Jesus. Every lying devil, every lying spirit of hell, I bind and break your power now in Jesus' name. And I declare, Lord God, that the mouth of the liar is shut today. The mouth of the liar is shut today. The mouth of fear is shut today. The mouth of the enemy is shut today. We speak your word. We speak the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.